right. Hey, welcome to week three of Unshakable. Uh, week three officially. So we did two like intro weeks. If you've missed any of it, go back and listen to it online. Uh, we'd love for you to do that. And I think it'd be really great for you. Uh, we're talking about Unshakable, and this is a series all about the kingdom of God. Okay. So the kingdom of God is actually the theme of the New Testament, actually the theme of the whole Bible, really, because the, the Old Testament is used to set up this new kingdom that Jesus came to bring. And so Jesus shows up on the, the scene and he starts talking about, I'm going to move this or I'm going to break my neck. Seth's going to have to finish it. No, you're fine. Seth's going to have to finish the message. All right. Um, Jesus started, he came on the scene and he started uh, talking about this kingdom. <laughs> And people were confused about the kingdom. What does that mean? And they thought it was a literal kingdom. And we know that that wasn't a literal kingdom that Jesus was bringing. It was a new realm. Jesus is the king of kings, right? So he didn't have a literal kingdom. A literal kingdom has boundaries. A literal kingdom has a beginning and an end. Jesus' kingdom does not have those things. He's ruling on a different level, all right? He's in a different uh, dimension leading and doing his, uh, and reigning in his kingdom. And this is what this whole series is about. It's about the kingdom of God. And we actually have this anchor verse that we've been tied to the whole time. It's Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 28. It says this, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship and, and, and worship not being what we just did, singing and all that worship being, I'm giving my life to this. I'm sacrificing everything to this. I, God, because your kingdom has entered into my life and it's actually unshakable, I'm giving everything to you. And so this whole idea of being unshakable. I'm getting a phone call right now. Uh, this idea of being unshakable. There you go. I don't want. I don't want to feel it happening. Um, <laughs> this idea of being unshakable is a big deal. Why? Because things in your life shake. You can be a control freak. You can actually be great at controlling your life. But how many of y'all know there are things that happen in our lives that are out of our control that shake our lives? Am I the only one? Come on. Does that happen to anyone else? Listen. The, the life will cause your foundation to shake. Well, where do you go when your foundation begins to shake? I want you to think about it for a second. Do you, do you run to something? Do you run to a substance? Do you run to Netflix? Do you run to your phone? Like, that's me. My phone is like, the, I got in trouble this week because of my phone. Just, I'm being on it. I'm, and I was just stressed. I'm a, I had a little bit of a down week in some areas of my life, and that's just my go-to. Well, that's not where my go-to needs to be. And, and Stephanie reminds me, Pastor. She says, Pastor, what you teaching on? I'm like, well, stop it. All right. So, uh, but she's right. Uh, you know, where do you run when things get stressful in your life? When things begin to shake, we should be running to the kingdom of God. The problem is most Christians have no idea what the kingdom of God is. And so if this is the theme of the, the whole New Testament that Jesus came to bring this thing, this main theme, we need to understand what it is. So that's what this series is all about. I loved last week. We were able to talk about um, how we can get into the kingdom of God. And we talked about the famous conversation between Nicodemus, John chapter 3. Come on, who knows John 3.16 in the house? Most people probably. If you, for God to love the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Come on, Awanas. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was a sparky. That's where I made it to. Uh, but Awana's is, we use Awana curriculum over there in kids. So, uh, But we, we, uh, we, we see that verse in that chapter, but really that verse is just a small portion of this conversation that Jesus was having with a religious person. And this religious person was supposed to know the answers, to, to know about the kingdom, and he didn't know anything. And Jesus made it very clear. He said, if you're going to be a part of my kingdom, you got to be born again. 
Like you, you can't be, you can't just add me into your life. No, no, no. Born again means your old life stops so that your new life can begin. And there's only one type of Christian, born again Christians. There's no other version. That, no, no, the only people that are in heaven are people that have been born again. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what this whole conversation teaches us. So we have to understand that if we want to be a part of the kingdom of God, something in our life has to change, right? Something in our lives has to give. And so that's what we've been talking about. I'm so excited to continue that today um, because we all know, and I, I know that there's, there's things in life that begin to shake. One of those big things that begins to shake in your life are children. Come on, parents, can I get an amen? These children drive you crazy. You know, if you're a family at our church, well, if you're a family, at our, we have so many pregnant people at our church right now, it's ridiculous. So, by the way, it's in, we love it. We're growing. Yeah. Five pregnant women at our church right now and one surprise infant that just happened. Like, I mean, what in the world's going on? Y'all all should not be drinking any water here if you don't want to get pregnant. Um, actually, Stephanie and I, Stop. we're not pregnant. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a true miracle. Let me just tell you, that, would, that wouldn't work. But uh, God could do it. Lord, don't. Stop. All right, please. Please. Yeah. What are we talking about? Oh, one of the things that shakes is our kids, right? These kids come in, man, and they shake everything up. Y'all know this. And if you have older kids, now they can start making their own decisions, and they start going through some life issues and as they become teenagers. And it's scary, right? Like, raising kids is scary. And, and some people that might be older in here might be thinking, I would not want to raise kids in today's culture. I want to challenge that a little bit today. We're going to talk about that a little bit today because there's never a bad time to have kids. You know, the Bible talks about kids being arrows that we put into our bow and we shoot them out into the world. That's what we, come on, the darker it gets, the more damage our arrows can do. Y'all know what I'm saying? And so that's why it's so important that we have people over in our kids ministry right now that are loving on your kids. They're sharpening the arrows that God has given you so that one day, when they go off on their own, when they go to school, when they go to middle school and high school, they're prepared a little bit. They know what God's word says and they're ready for it. And so I want to challenge that a little bit today. And I want to challenge you and, uh, and uh, what I want you to think about what the kingdom of God can produce in you. What can the kingdom of God produce in you? When you think about the kingdom, uh, the, this is one of the verses that what we're going to look at today that you're going to think of. It's found in Romans chapter 14. If you got your, who's got their old school Bible? Come on, let me see it. Bring it up here. If you no, bring it up here. Just raise it. Okay, I'm the okay. Cavi, that's what I'm talking about. Cavi, you get free coffee in the lobby after this. How about that? No one else. It's all gone. All right, I'm going to need you to make it first. <laughs> so, if you could do that, that'd be great. Um, it is from, from the coffee shop. Uh, but we're going to be Romans chapter 14. If you don't have it, it's fine. You can actually take notes right here. There's a QR code that you can scan. I would encourage you to do that. Um, and it'll walk you through everything that you need for today. It'll have all the Bible verses in it. The screen's going to have it all on there. But when you look at this uh, verse, it, it'll trigger you. You've heard this verse before. We're going to get to that in a second. But before we get there, um, we have to really talk about a lot of context happening in the, before we get into the book of Romans. You've got to figure out what's going on, what's been happening? What are we really looking at? And uh, the book of Romans is actually written to the Christians in Rome. So Christianity's new. 
All right. Uh, there's a lot of Jewish people that have kind of left their Jewish faith to follow Christ. And there's a lot of people called Gentiles. Those are anyone else but a Jew is a Gentile. There's these people that had their background and they've given that up to follow Jesus. And now these two people are mixing and there's a lot of problems happening with these two people. Jews are like, Hey, Jesus is great. We're Christians. But if the real people are going to need to be getting circumcised. Now, I don't know about you, if I'm a grown man, that is a hard selling point for me to join Christianity, right? Like, don't know about that, you know? And uh, that, that's something, that's a, that's a tough thing. And then the Gentiles are like, I, that's crazy, I'm not doing that. And the Jews are like, well, that's what we've been doing for thousands of years. And so they're kind of fighting over these things, these little things that, that like, hey, you shouldn't be eating that. Or, hey, you can't be doing, this is what we celebrate. And then the Gentiles are like, what are you, so Paul writes this letter because he actually wants to go to Rome, but the guy keeps getting arrested and he's in prison all the time. So he writes this letter and this letter, which is the book of Romans, is very comprehensive. It's got a lot of information in it. And it's because Paul didn't think that he was ever going to get to go to Rome. So he's like, I got to write everything out now and send it to them because if I don't ever make it there, they need to know these things. And so Romans, if you want to think of it this way, is basically Paul's like manifesto of theology. What, what theology is, what Christian theology is, all really kind of goes back to Romans because Paul deals with it most likely in here. And so He's writing this. It's got a lot of information in it. A lot of it is kind of heady and uh, it could be a little academic, but the, se- the last part of it is very practical. That's what we're going to look at today. Very practical. So Paul is trying to mediate between these Jewish people and these Gentiles and saying, hey, forget all of that. Here's what matters. I'm going to tell you what matters. So that's what Paul's doing. But you have to understand that he's writing this to people in the Roman Empire. Now, if you know anything about the Roman Empire, this was like their goal was to capture all of the known world so they could bring peace, right? That's what they would say. They'd bring peace. And so the Roman Empire is gigantic. So, of course, Paul would want to write to these people that's in the hub of the world, the Roman Empire. He's writing it to these Christians that are at the hub of the whole world at this moment and saying, if you can get this right, God can change everything. So this Romans is very important for us Christians because it kind of anchors us to what theology actually is. What is what is God actually like? What are we actually like? And what does Jesus mean for all this? So that's where we're right. But if you look at Rome, Rome was an interesting thing. I'm going to put this table up here, this this pictogram or pictograph, whatever you want to call it. And I know it's really small. You can't read it. Just go with me for a second. OK, I couldn't change this slide and, you know, y'all can deal with it. OK, so where was Rome? And all this, okay? I want, I want us to look at that first. Rome, over here, uh, they were a military superpower. They would capture anything and everything that was any more, like if it was a little more insignificant than they were, they were capturing it, they were getting it. They were a military superpower, and they could not be beaten. No one stood a chance against Rome. Like if they came into town, it's over. Just go ahead and pack up the bags and start walking to Rome because that's where you're going, right? Like this is what is going on. They were a military superpower. They were the top of the food chain. They also had affluence. They had everything they could, they had, they had every resource imaginable. Like they could do anything they want. They had every resource available to them. And if they didn't have it, they'd go take it, right? That's because they were a military superpower. They could get what they want. But when you get to, and this is all going to sound very familiar, by the way, if you look at where we are today, all right? So let's just think about this for a second. This is not just about Rome. The Bible is true for you today. I just want to stop and say that. This is not a dated book. This book is timeless. 
So we're talking about these things. Don't just think Rome, think us right now. Where are we as a nation in the world? Think about all this, okay? When you have an amazing military power and you have some affluence, right, and you, are, you can get anything you want anytime, you will start to slide into some certain things. One of those things is uh, you'll slide into sexual immorality. Debauchery is what the Bible calls it. And there's all sorts of things that are going on uh, outside of God's plan. That's what's happening here. And, and if you think the Bible doesn't speak about these things, by the way, sexual immorality and stuff, it talks about it quite a bit. It actually talks about it in the chapter before this, Romans 13. And uh, it goes through, hey, marriage is between one man and one woman, and anything outside of that is outside of God's plan. It talks to all this stuff. And don't listen to people, by the way, that will tell you that, well, it's the Bible doesn't, that's not true. The Bible speaks on this. Jesus speaks on this. And that's a very true thing. But we face in culture today people saying, well, love is love and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. That doesn't mean we don't love people, but the Bible does speak truth, and it does speak to this, by the way. Um, he, he talks about uh, in this how, how there's a box for marriage. There's a box for sex, and it fits inside this box. Anything outside this box is outside of God's plan. It's a sin. So that's something that we can easily slide into as a culture. When you start, and Rome did too. They, they had military power. They couldn't be beat. They thought they were on top of the world. They also had all the resources in the world. And next thing you know, you start sliding into these things. So that's one of the things. Another thing is uh, they had expected political saviors. And so people were putting all their hope in Caesar at this time. And they would have these political saviors that they were actually at this time starting to worship Caesar as some sort of God. And, and they built these political figures up on a pedestal so high that they began to look at them and they began to worship them. And, and things started to turn. You can expect this in a, in a type of culture that does this. They, they believed uh, that, that Caesar would save the, everything around them and that he would be their savior. So if they had a problem, they saw Caesar and they were like, man, this guy's gotten it done. I'm going to trust him. Come on. The economy was great when he was in charge. So let's, let's trust him. Oh man, nothing can defeat us when Caesar was. And so they attribe their worship to Caesar because he could get it done. And that's what they did. Another thing is, is this culture also celebrated corruption. So, you know, when Brutus stabbed Caesar, y'all know the story, et tu Brute, right? That's what, that's what Caesar says. He stabbed him in the back. That's where we get the phrase, getting stabbed in the back, was from this. And it was celebrated. People were happy that Brutus killed Caesar. People were happy to live their lives, that they were living their lives. Corruption was celebrated. The whole culture of the time was, if it meets my needs, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. Right? Like if I'm getting my needs met, if I'm happy, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, right? If I can get to a place where I'm happy, it doesn't matter what I do to get there. If I can be happy, if I can get to a happy place, I can do all the wrong in the world just so I'm happy. And that's where the Roman Empire kind of found itself. And so how did, so that's where the Roman Empire was. All right, so let's look at some more context. Where were the people? So that's where the empire was. Well, now let's look at some pe people groups and see where they were. The first step is the Essenes. Y'all say the Essenes. Come on, y'all say the Essenes. There we go. Y'all are going to learn a little bit. These were the people of the day. They were like doomsday preppers. All right. They had like their door frames hollowed out, stuffed with ramen noodles. You know what I'm talking about? Like they had their mattresses stuffed. They had their bunker. They bought the stuff off of the infomercials late at night that was like a bucket of rice and beans for, you know, $4,000. It's going to last for, I see Andrew laughing back there. <laughs> How do those, how's that rice and beans taste? I'm joking. 
But these are the preppers of the day. They were like, hey, we're going to build a bunker. I'm going to kind of withdraw from culture a little bit, and I'm just going to take care of mine. That's what I'm going to do. I'm, going to, I'm just going to take care of me. I'm going to take care of my family. And when it goes down, whatever it is, whenever they take us over, whoever they is, we're ready. Right? We're the, that's the Essenes. Then there were the religious leaders. Y'all say religious leaders. And these people were rule followers. Any rule followers in here? Couple. How many rule breakers are in here? Come on, let me see you. Here we go. That's my people right there. That's my people right there. Uh, I'm a rule breaker. I don't, I don't like these people. I'm joking. I'm married to one. And I do like her very much. Uh, but, you know, the, the religious people were like, follow the rules. Come on. We're just going to teach the rules. We're going to follow the rules. And listen, the Bible does have rules, by the way. Um, and, and, but uh, they come after a change of heart. You want to frustrate somebody? Tell them to follow all the rules in the Bible without having a heart change first. Jesus came to change your heart. The rules become easier once you're born again. Right? So the Bible does have rules. We do have guidelines. We do have areas in our life where we submit and say, God, even if this doesn't make sense to me, I trust you because you know what's best. I am going to follow the rules. But that comes after a change of heart. Well, these people were just saying, you should follow the rules. You should follow the rules. Come on. And it's impossible to follow rules without a change of heart. You might be able to do it for a time, but you can't do it forever, right? So we had the Essenes. We have the religious leaders. The next, we have the Zealots. These are the people that are like, well, we're going to attack the culture. These are the angry people on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube that are like yelling about things all the time. Now, they might be right about some things, but man, they're just like real combative. Uh, they're very boisterous, right? They're just like, oh, come on, a little too much. Like these people were kind of hostile. Like they would fight you if they thought you were wrong. I'm going to confront you. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. These people come out of the woodwork on Facebook when you post something slightly opinionated on your Facebook. Okay, th these are the zealots. They're coming after you, right? Okay. Then we had the cultural hedonists. Um, they were thinking, you know what? I probably can't change anything. Like, what am I going to do? And so I might as well just join in, right? Like, it doesn't hurt me. Who, everyone else is doing it. It's not a big deal. I'm just going to kind of join in. And those are the different types of people that were in Rome. Is this speaking to anybody right now? Y'all see what I'm saying a little bit, right? Um, and there were all these types of groups of people. But why is that so important? Now, here's the deal. It's important because that's where we find our culture today. Okay? You can look at every single group of these people, and you can probably find people that you know that fit in one of these boxes. Now, I don't want you to think about other people fitting in these boxes. Where do you fit in these boxes? Okay? You might identify with some of these. All right, and I want you to think, where, what does that have to do? Okay, why is this such a big deal? Well, it's dangerous because so many of us over-identify with our small little tribe that we miss the bigger picture of the kingdom. Right. I'm going to say that again. I got one right. <laughs> so many of us over-identify with our little tribe that we miss the bigger picture of the kingdom of God. And so we sit there, and thank you, Brett. We sit there, and we're like, hey, this is my group. This is the hill I'm dying on. This is important. Everybody should think this is important. And when you do that, you alienate the people around you. And you lose your influence with the people around you. Because you're not a part of that little tribe. You're a part of the kingdom of God. And so God wants you to be a part of his kingdom. His kingdom is so much bigger than these little tribes. 
And so we have to, in a tribe, we live in such a tribal world where we have to figure out where do I fit? What group of people is right to be a part of? Because I, I, I like this, but then, I, no, no, no. Let me tell you, you're not a part of a tribe. You're part of God's kingdom. And God's kingdom is bigger than any of this. Our lives are to be, to be, to be lived on God's kingdom. But it's not about where Rome was. It's about where we are. So where are we? How are you navigating a, a challenging world? We all know culture is hostile. Get on Facebook for two seconds. Open a news app. Stay at a stoplight for two seconds longer after the light turns green. <laughs> yeah, it's hostile out there. You'll get the long beep. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it, it's hostile out there. So how are you responding? Because I believe that Christians are made for this moment in a hostile culture. But how are you responding? What do you focus on? Maybe your friends and family. How do you counsel your fr friends? How do you counsel your family with your kids? How do you train the young people in your family to face a more challenging world? Are you? Are you, letting, are you training them? Or are you letting something else train your kids? Like, you, you have, like what do you say to your children? What, what do you do with your children? This is why it's important to understand the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is the answer to all of those things. It's not about culture and the tribe I fit in. It's about the kingdom of God. We have to go to the word of God. The Bible equips us. It helps us understand how to navigate this. It gives us the tools that we need to navigate this world that's crazy around us. And so let's get to the Bible a little bit. All right, let's Romans 14. We're in this chapter. Y'all kind of got some context. Here's the culture he's writing to. Here are the groups of people he's writing to. And this is Paul's like, all right, we got through a lot of the academic stuff. Now let's work on the heart. And he says this, Romans chapter 14. What verse is it? Verse 17, here we go. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. And you're like, what the heck? Where, where did food come in? Well, this was the argument of the day. He said, hey, the kingdom of God is not about this. Now, there was a lot of like uh, arguments about this, okay? This, this whole chapter is about food and religious holidays. That's what they're, can you imagine? They're fighting about something that we would look at and go, this is so stupid. Like, okay, eat what you want, drink what you want. I don't care. Right. But it's easy for us to say that. But in this time, like that was a big deal. We had the Jews going, wait a second. You got that meat from where y'all get some of y'all get crazy. Like how many of y'all buying your meat from Aldi? How many of you judge people that buy their meat from Aldi? Come on. Yeah, I do. I'm like, I don't want no bones in my ground beef. You know, like I just I want to go get it from somewhere else. Well, they were kind of similar. Like you got your meat that you're eating off of an altar. It was sacrificed to another God and you're eating this meat. Are you crazy? Those were the Jewish people were saying. Other people were like, yes, my family has to eat. Like, what do you care? And so they started arguing about this thing. Well, is it kosher? Is what the Jew and, and, and they were fighting about this stuff. And, and Paul is like, no, no, no. The kingdom of God is not about that. It's not about what you eat or what you drink, right? He, he's, he's saying, you are majoring on the minors and you're minoring on the majors. There are things that matter 
that we need to die on those hills, but there's a lot of things that we get all up in arms about because it's a preference or an opinion. Paul is saying there are people dying and going to hell in a handbasket outside of the walls of your church and you're worried about food? Like, really? And I would say the same thing to us. There's people that if they died today that live right around here, they would go to hell. We can't be a church that argues about stuff that doesn't matter, that are minor things. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to break off my relationship with somebody because they don't see eye to eye with me on everything. Why? Because there's something bigger happening and it's the kingdom of God. And people need the kingdom of God. They need to know that, man, there's a better hope for them. And I can't get caught up in worrying about eating and drinking. Are you kidding me? There's so much more to God than that. And for us, it doesn't look like food. It's, y'all remember masks or no masks? What kind of church are you? You got masks on or no masks? Uh, everybody, but, uh, yes. People can wear their masks. People can, I don't care. Vaccines or no vaccines. I don't care. You know what? I care about the kingdom of God. If you want to get the shot, great. If you don't, great. I don't care. Republican or Democrat, both. Because I want to serve both of these people. We, we get stuck in these little tribes and the world wants to pit us against each other. All these pregnant moms, birthing techniques. Well, I want a C-section. Well, you know, C-sections are, uh, well, I want to do natural. Well, you know, it's a lot safer. Who cares? Let them have their baby. I don't care. Have a healthy baby. I don't care. Some of you, 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 but you die on these hills. You get so worked up. And it's like Paul is saying, what? Who cares? Mind your own business. That's not what the kingdom of God is about. Come on, we, we can't be, we can't make the, the minor things such a big deal. He keeps on going. He says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness. That's what the kingdom of God is about. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He's saying this, when you get too focused on the wrong things, like eating and drinking, you're missing it. That's not what the kingdom of God is about. And you're not going to win people over to the kingdom of God living that way. You're actually going to lose influence uh, of the people around you. Here's another section from earlier in that same chapter. It says this. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves. I'm not giving an account for you when I stand before the Lord one day. I got to give an account for me. To God, right? Some people have this mentality of like, I can't believe they're getting away with that. Those, the baby killers, the, the, them over there. I, I can't believe that they're, that's so evil. Let me just, no one's getting away with anything. Let me tell you, True. <laughs> they're not getting away with anything. The Bible says that every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So if you think someone's getting away with something because you don't agree with it, just know it's not your place to give an account for what they do. You give an account for what you do. And so you need to sit there and go, all right, I'm not going to look at them. How am I doing? Because there's probably th some things in my life that I could fix, right? No one's getting away with anything. And it says the next verse, therefore, let's stop passing judgment on one another. Let's stop passing judgment. The word judgment there is not talking about the ability to discern right from wrong. Okay? That's not what it's talking about. Every Christian should have the ability to discern right from wrong. Okay? And you can point out, this is right, that is wrong. Okay, but passing judgment, it says passing judgment. What that means is I'm not going to take something that I believe is major, that's really a minor, and I'm not going to pass that expectation on to someone else. So if I think that alcohol is wrong, 
I'm not going to pass judgment because the Bible doesn't speak about alcohol being a sin. There are certain lines you can cross with alcohol, but the Bible doesn't explicitly say if you drink alcohol, that is a sin. But for some people, they might have addiction issues and they might choose to not do that. And that's okay. And there are some people that don't, don't have that and they might enjoy a, a, a alcohol every once in a while. That's fine. But we, we sometimes will go, man, that person drank alcohol. They must be going to hell. That's passing judgment. That's passing on what you think is a major issue that the Bible does not speak about a major issue and you're passing it on to them and helping them understand. Now, it applies to way more than just alcohol. What area is a minor area that you're majoring in that you're passing judgment on other people because they don't share the same belief as you? Paul is like, "Uh uh-uh, that's not what we do. The kingdom of God is not that. The kingdom of God is different. And then it goes on to say, instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling blocks or obstacles in the way of your brother or sister. So this is saying, hey, I might not believe that alcohol is a sin, but you know what? I'm going to not do that because I care about these other people over here that might have a problem with it, or they might have an addiction issue. And maybe me doing this around them is going to be something that, so I'm freely going to give up something so that I can serve somebody else. I think we've lost that. We see that as us losing when we do that, it's not us losing, that's us living in the kingdom of God. And that's okay. So I'm telling you all this because I want you to be able to deal with the world when things begin to shake. Maybe the shaking has come from us, some. Where we've really run some people off because we can't disagree with somebody or we can't have that kind of person. No, no, no. It's not what the kingdom of God is about. So I want to show you what does the kingdom of God produce in you? Number one, it gives us a healthy way to interact with culture. The kingdom of God gives us, it produces in us a healthy way to interact with culture. You better believe Christians need to be interacting with culture. We don't need to let culture happen to us. We need to influence culture, which means we need to be influential if we're going to influence culture. But God gives us a a healthy way to interact with the culture, and it's not by yelling and screaming and commenting on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, or sharing weird articles. Like, that's not what it's about. He's given us an ability to interact in a healthy way. So here, if you're coming to Growth Track tonight, come on, raise your hand if you're coming to Growth Track tonight. Let's go. There should be more hands up. Let's go. (laughs) Who's coming to Growth Track? Brisket. <laughs> Brisket. Outside, all right? Kosher. You know, we're having it, baby. It was never sacrificed to a God, all right? It was, you could, everybody can have this, okay? So, but, but we, uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit more tonight at um, Growth Track. And what, what the, so Christianity started, and not long after, they were like, hey, we need to kind of figure out what we believe. Like, what do Christians believe? What is, what is what Jesus taught? What are those things? And we come up with a list of essentials. And so the first thing I want to let you know today is in the essentials, here's how I interact with the culture, in the essentials, we have unity. And this, there's a list of eight things that you'll see at Growth Track tonight that are essentials. Like, we're not going to budge on these things, okay? A couple of those things is, one of the, the essentials is Jesus is the only way to heaven, not all paths lead to heaven, okay? Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, they're, they're not the same thing. They might say they're Christian. They're not, okay? Christ Jesus is the only way to heaven, period. Buddhism, none of that is, is going through Jesus to get to heaven, all right? So they're not, Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. That's something that we believe. Another one is that the Bible's the word of God. That's an essential to us. Like the Bible's not some random book. No, no, it is the word of God, 
All right, and there's certain things like that, and in those things, we have unity. I can agree with you on this, and that's actually what I'm holding to, all right, in those things that have unity. Um, but in non-essentials, we have liberty, we have freedom. So there are some things like alcohol, your view on debt, uh, your birthing technique, whatever you're like, right? Like, there's certain things that the Bible is not black and white on that we go, hey, okay, you can believe that. We, we're good on the essentials. Y'all ever seen the first three ingredients of any soft drink? It's what, water, corn syrup, and something else. They all share the same thing. And what makes them different are all the other ingredients, right? Our three ingredients need to be the same. Like, hey, we believe about Jesus the same. We believe about the Bible the same. There's some other things that we need to believe the same. But every other thing, okay, I, you know. And not essentials, we have freedom. You have freedom. For us, some people look at our church and think that we're going to hell in a handbasket because Stephanie's a pastor here, all right? But that's a non-essential issue for us. Okay, you can believe that. That doesn't mean that we hate you or that we are going to not be friends with you. We just share a different opinion on how something is translated in the Bible. Okay. And, and we have to bridge that gap and go, hey, in the non-essentials, we have unity. And we're going to be okay with that. There's just certain things in the Bible that we're going to have to go, all right, we don't agree here, but the essentials are good. We're going to move on. So in the essentials, we have unity. In the non-essentials, we have freedom. We have liberty. But here's the most important thing. In all things, we love all things we love. Love does not mean except sin. Love does not mean that we're just okay with everything. Love does not mean that we're a floor mat. Love means, no, no, no. We speak truth. We hold to our convictions, but we do it in a loving way. You know, we, we talked about last week, God's kingdom is available for everyone, but it changes for no one. God's not changing his kingdom for anybody, but it's available to everybody. And, and we speak the truth in love. Hey, I can't go there. You know, that's, that's not, I don't believe the Bible teaches that. I love you. Uh, but that's not what we're, that's, that's not what we believe. And somewhere along the way, we've lost this ability to, in a loving way, disagree with somebody and still remain friends or still remain a part of their lives. And I just want to tell you, maybe there's some people in here that need to check themselves and go, maybe I'm the problem in there in that. Because I tell you, being a part of the kingdom of God, we do everything in love. That's what we do. So God will give us, produce in us through the kingdom of God, a healthy way to interact with culture. The second thing is this. God, uh, we, whenever we uh, are part of the kingdom of God, it produces in us, we experience righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. God's going to give you that as a part of his kingdom. He's going to give you righteousness, and joy and peace. And here's the deal. These are not individual items. These three go together. You do these at the same time. You have these at the same time. So righteousness, let's talk about that for a second. Righteousness um, is not external behavior. It's an internal condition we receive from God when we're born again. So righteousness is not acting right. Okay. That's not what righteousness, righteousness is. Righteousness is being made right in the image of God. The only way you get righteousness is by Jesus. When he died on the cross, it, the, the, the fancy word is impunity, right? Like he gave us his righteousness because we couldn't be righteous. So in the eyes of God, when we're born again, he makes us right with God in God's eyes. And so when God, whenever you step into the kingdom of God, you become righteous, not because of what you've done, but because of 
what Jesus has done. And he's given you that righteousness. He's made you in right standing with God. And whenever you get uh, into the kingdom of God, that's produced in you, righteousness. But not only that, you have righteousness, you also have peace. Peace is a gift from God. And it comes from God. Did you know that you can show up to work, all hell's breaking loose at your house, on the job, things are falling apart, and you can still be joyful. Do you know that? And when you are that, people will notice. They'll go, wow, what, what is this peace that you have? Like, I don't understand. Like, how, it will open the eyes of the lost people around you because they don't experience that. But God, when you step into the kingdom of God, he not only wants to make you right with God, he wants to give you peace. And not only that, we experience righteousness and peace. We also get to experience joy. Come on. And joy, it impacts the quality of every area of our lives. Can I just be your pastor for a second? When you get focused on food, that Paul's talking about, when you get focused on these little things, it takes away all the joy in your life. Yeah. All of it. Because it's not coming from a place that's real. You're forcing these rules and these things to happen and it takes all the joy. Listen, I, I just want to help you. Let me just give you some permission today. Some of you need to go do something today that makes you laugh. <laughs> I'm serious. That's the most spiritual thing you could do. Some, one of our core values is we're genuinely fun. Joy. We believe in joy. We're going, you come here, you're going to laugh. Maybe at me or with me, I don't know, but you're going to laugh. And that is, a, I intentionally do this because some of you take yourselves too seriously. I'm going to be honest, and you can, we know, okay? You can see it on your face. We know. Lighten up a little bit. You need to, you need to experience some joy in your, go laugh. Go do something dumb. Just laugh. Like what I do, we go to the escape rooms and man, I love it. I will just love escape rooms. I'll just go laugh or we'll go have some, you know, I do once a year and Stephanie does this separately is I'll go on a retreat with some of my best pastor friends and my stomach will hurt from laughing so hard, you know, and, and it's, you need that joy in your life. And that only comes from the Holy Spirit, by the way, that type of joy only comes from the Holy Spirit. There's, you know, this last couple of weeks, I probably laughed more at home the last couple of weeks, and I'm just in a joyful time in my life, and I love it. One of them was the Instagram stuff I saw, and I laughed. I'm not joking for 20 minutes. I couldn't. I thought I was going to die. You ever had that kind of laugh where my head will explode if I don't stop? That's what I've had, and I love that. When you get done, it feels like you're high. You know, like it's just like, whoo, feel good. Some of y'all, man, I'm telling you, you need to laugh. You need to do something that's just going to make you laugh. Have some fun. Because God wants to give you that joy. But when those three work together, that righteousness and that peace and that joy, man, people see it. People see it. Be a life-giving person. Why is it that Christians are depicted in movies and in cultures like being the mean people? It's because we have been. We've been real mean. We haven't done it in love. I believe God's called us to be kind. We don't shrink back. I'm not telling you to not stand on the convictions of God's word. I'm saying do it in a way that honors the Lord. Man, what if, think about this. What if lost people experienced a joyful Christian? Can you imagine? 
That's hard to imagine. Is that not hard? That's hard to imagine. But what if this room full of people were joyful and people were interacting with people that were joyful and they were filled with peace and they were filled with righteousness? It would change everything. And guess what? The people outside of these walls need you to do that. So let's bring it full circle for a second. What happened in Rome? Let's talk about that. All right, so Rome, they started off what we talked about earlier. So what happened? Now, in the midst of all this, Rome was actually putting together something called the Pax Roma, okay? So if you imagine, Rome was like a hub of a wheel, and they were building roads, the Pax Roma, off of the, the center, and they were going spokes. I'm talking all the way out into the depths of their kingdom, miles and miles. They were building these roads. Why? Because it was easier to transport their military and goods, and it was just easier to do all this stuff. So they started building this road. Um, And God was using this time where Paul was writing to Rome, and he was influencing this little tiny group of Christians in the Roman Empire at that time when these roads were being built. And actually, in uh, what was it? In the year 300, the Roman emperor actually had a vision and gave his life to Jesus. And guess what? Christianity exploded. Why? Because the foundation was set. They had the roads to actually take the gospel to the ends of the earth, like Jesus said that they would. And the the Christianity exploded. And here's the deal. I don't care how dark the culture gets. I don't care how dark it seems right now. There's always a group of kingdom people, no matter how dark culture has been over the history of the entire world. There's always a group of people that are serious about the kingdom of God. And God uses those people and he changes the world. Why not now? Why not with Oasis? church. Why not with you? Why not with the people in this room? Come on. God wants to do something significant and he's going to do it through you. I don't care how dark it is out there. God has made us to be the light. We just have to be kingdom people. He set the stage. It's, we can spread the gospel like we never have before. It just takes a group of people going, I'm going to be a kingdom person. I'm born again. I'm living in righteousness, peace, and joy, and I'm going to change the world. Because that's what happened with these Christians. And look, we're sitting here today because of that. We would not have had the gospel the way that we got it if this wouldn't have happened. But God used these people and he spread it like wildfire. There's always been a group of kingdom people. And let it be true of the people in this room. Let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes today. Come on, some of you, you want to receive the righteousness of God right now. And it's not something you can do on your own. God's calling you right now and you know in your heart that you've never made that decision and you're not in right standing with God, the Bible would say, if you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus. And today you can receive that. If that's you, you can just say, God, I need you. Come into my life. I'll receive your kingdom. I'll make you the Lord of my life. And in the best way I know how, I'll live for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, give God a hand in this place. Come on.